many people are ready for a word today? Yeah. Grab your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. Ephesians chapter 3, let's read starting in verse 14. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all the generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. According to the power that works in us. Everybody look to your neighbor and say power. Now look to the neighbor on the other side that you didn't pick first and say power. A little revealing, isn't it? Uh, don't think too much into that. According to the power that works in us, I came today to tell you that there is a power and there is a victory that is available, that is promised to sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. That there is a power and a victory that we are invited to live with, to walk with, to advance God's territory and to fulfill God's purposes for our life, our destiny as we live here in this earth. You know, I've heard people over the years, uh, friends and colleagues of mine, when we talk about what I do in ministry and have made comments to me like, hey, you know, I think religion is good. I think people need religion in their life. It, it helps them feel good. You know, it helps them feel good. It, it gives them a good feeling about themselves. <laughs> and, uh, and I think to myself, you know, that's great. But the problem with that is, if that's all that it was, it's really nothing more or nothing better than the loftiest human ideals, humanistic types of thoughts and motivational behavior, things that are pick-me-ups that are nothing more than temporary that fade like the wind. I, I say to them, you know, there's something different about religion than just a feeling. There's something different about a life with Jesus Christ than just having an emotional high. I'm talking to you about an availability to live with a power, to live with victory that actually will transcend anything here in this earthly environment. When you understand that, it changes the whole dynamic. According to the power that works in us, we're beginning a new series today called Living with Power. That's pretty good, huh? Living with power. Got a couple people excited about that. We'll be in this series for the next four or five weeks. The word power 
In the Greek, in these verses and in many other verses in the New Testament, the word power is a Greek root word, dynamis or dynamis. It means the miracle working power of God available to us. Listen to me. It means the power to make war. So let me ask you a question. Are we in a spiritual war? So if we're in a spiritual war, would it make sense that we need a power that is supernatural so that we can fight this war appropriately? Amen. And you say, well, what is this, this power, this dynamis? By the word dynamis, the Greek word is where we get the English word dynamite from. So it's explosive. It has the ability to just radically change an environment around it when something goes off. This power that Paul is talking about is no, none other than the Holy Spirit himself. The power of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in us. He says earlier in Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, he says it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He also says in Romans that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, is the same power that lives in you and me. Now, folks, I don't know if that blows your mind the way it blows my mind whenever I meditate on that little nugget right there. But the Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus' fleshly body from the grave, the first fruits of the resurrection that we are all promised to partake of one day, victory over death, he says that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead actually right now is living and dwelling inside of you. Hallelujah. I mean, if that be the case then what we're talking about is a power that is available to us as Christians to live and walk in, listen to me, that will declare victory, that will declare triumph, overcoming over every natural earthly obstacle that you would come against. But I wonder, are you lacking victory in some area of your life right now? Are there things that it feels like Possibly the enemy is getting the upper hand over you because this can happen. We can live according to just natural principles in certain areas of our life instead of according to this power that is available to us. He says that it's the, uh, according to the power that lives in us. Listen to this. According to means to actually come down from a higher plane into a lower plane. Which means that it's a power that flows from a heavenly realm into an earthly realm. It's a power that flows into us and is meant to flow out of us. That's the continuation of the circuit, if you will. That's the continuation of the expression is that it would have outward implication. Comes down from heaven and then moves through our lives as vessels or instruments into the world around us. You know, today is actually a very special day in the church, in the Christian church. And actually, it's a special weekend in the Jewish culture as well. And I don't know if you know that, but today is, we celebrate this weekend, Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday in the church. Uh, Pente means 50, so 50 days 
after the first Sabbath that took place during Passover, 50 days after that, was the celebration of Pentecost, which in the Jewish culture was to celebrate when Moses received the Ten Commandments and the law from God from heaven and then brought that to the people. But how many people know that after Jesus was resurrected from the grave, what did he say? He said, here's what I want you to do. I've got a huge mission for the church. He told them to you know, evangelize, make disciples, this huge commission. We're actually going to do a series later in the fall or later in the summer about the supernatural works of the church. I'm really excited about that. But he said, uh, he said I, I want you to wait. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Wait until you are endued with power from on high. Or wait until a power comes down from a heavenly realm and invades the earthly realm. And when it happens, you're going to know. <laughs> There's not going to be any de un denying it or mistaking it. Right? He said it's going to flow down. And when the day of Pentecost came, we know that the Holy Spirit moved as if a mighty and rushing wind. And tongues of fire rested upon each of them. They were filled with power and with the Holy Spirit. And they began to walk through the works of God in a new and empowered way. They were walking and demonstrating that power differently after that. And so as I was praying and preparing uh, for this message series and just seeking the Lord, knowing we were coming to Pentecost, I heard the Spirit of God say to me uh, that during, this next few, during these next few weeks, I want to move like a refreshing wind a refreshing wind have you ever had just like you've been kind of fatigued and exhausted and then you just sort of that nice cool breeze right just sort of comes and blows here's a couple things one it's refreshing helps you recover helps you get more strength for the next leg of the journey you know what else it is it's also calming i feel like the lord was saying that there are some people who have an agitated spirit who are unsettled and who are restless right now. The things of the world are causing them to have an agitated mind and an agitated spirit. And I want to move like a refreshing wind over my people. I want to have a calming and refreshing effect over them. I just have a question for you. If God wanted to do that, would it be okay with you? Would it be okay with you? And I'll just encourage you to hook your faith in with that and to have expectation and believe for what the Lord might do. And so today is part one of the series. I wanted to spend a few minutes kind of opening it up here and laying some foundation as I just did. And we're going to take a series of just different topics and principles in the Bible and I would say sort of contrast them to, you know, what does it look like when we live with power, when we live according to heavenly principles as opposed to natural laws? What's the difference? What's the gap? What's the victory gap? What's the power gap in our lives uh, that we can see effectively? And so today, part one is the power of living with purpose, the power of living with purpose. I've done a lot of studies and research over the years on this because early in my walk with the Lord, uh, I got saved at 22 years old, so that was five years ago, and um, I'm not sure why you're laughing so hard. Uh, no, it was 20 years ago, and <laughs> after being born again and receiving new life, you know, the Lord began to give me revelation through great teaching that I was under. 
uh, that I was created for a purpose and a destiny. God had a unique plan for my life, and it really just wrecked me. When that got in me, it just it kind of gave me this sense of abandoning every other option that was available. I could live for no other cause, no other reason, no other mission than the purpose that God had created me for. And so my life's <laughs> pursuit has really been about seeking Jesus, more of him, to know him more and what his plan is for my life. And that's really where we get our vision raising up game changers from here at LCX because we want to help people discover they have a purpose and a destiny and empower them to walk in that and to see them thrive and flourish in that. But throughout the ages, centuries, not just this time that we live in right now, but you could go back for thousands of years actually and you could see historically it's one of the most uh, often asked questions that, that cultures and civilizations have sought out. What is the meaning to life? Why am I here? What is the purpose of all of this? And God has a unique power, a, a unique plan and purpose for our lives. He's created us for a destiny. We see this all through scripture, actually. You know, in the Old Testament, there are what we call types or foreshadows, spiritual principles that are applied that also have futuristic implication. For example, the Red Sea crossing was a foreshadow to water baptism coming out from deliverance and stepping into new life and new territory. The promised land that God had for his people is, a, is a, fic, a picture or a foreshadow to the purpose and destiny that God has for each and every one of us. If you think about it, God delivered his people out of bondage, out of slavery, that they had willingly sold themselves into. This represents sin in the fall. Bondage and slavery represents sin and death. God delivered supernaturally and miraculously his people out of Egypt, just like God supernaturally, miraculously, through Jesus Christ, delivers us out of the bondage of sin and death. But he doesn't just deliver us out of something, he delivers us into something. He delivers us to himself. He says, I brought you to myself that you would worship me. And then he begins to show them, I have a promised land, a destiny for you. In order to occupy and claim that destiny, listen, this is very important. He says, you're going to have to run enemies out of the territory. They have to run enemies out of the territory. You and I, if we are going to fulfill our purpose, our, God's calling on our lives, you need to hear this. You're going to have to know, you, yourself, according to the power that lives and dwells in you, how to run enemies out of your life and take territory for God. It's not going to be other people's stories. You're going to have to have your own stories of running enemies out of your life. Because he's going to keep coming and try and stop or thwart that work of advancement that God wants to do in and through you. A couple of years ago, in our home, uh, we had a, a bit of a problem. We had a wasp infestation. And when I say infestation, I don't just mean a few wasps. Hundreds and hundreds. It might have been thousands. I don't know. I mean, it, they were everywhere in our home. Flying all over the place. Uh, Katie said to me one day, finally... If you don't figure out how to get these wasps out of here, then I'm leaving. And so I thought about it for a minute, and I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. 
kidding. I always feel those later, by the way. Hope you can appreciate the price I pay to bring a good message to you. Um, and so she said, you're going to have to get these out of here. And so we took some, some action and, and uh, obviously killed all the ones that were in there, uh, got rid of all of them. And then in order to keep it from continuing, I had to actually figure out how they were getting in. And so I didn't just run the ones, oh, I feel something coming here. I didn't just run the ones out that had already got in. I had to go and figure out how they were actually getting in in the first place and then stop them from continuing to get in. And so I got up in the gable and the roof and I sealed up a bunch of areas where there were some holes and so we got rid of the ones that were already in there, but we stopped the ones from getting in that were going to try to get in the same way the other ones got in. Part of running the enemy out of your life, listen to me, is also understanding how he's getting in there and how he's coming at you to begin with. Amen? Get to the root of the problem. Did you know that a mostly dead wasp can still sting you? I mean, they're just like barely alive, and then they're still they're like trying to stretch their little pincher out at you, and the needle's coming out, and they're still trying to sting you. It's all they know, and I'm trying to make a point here that when it comes to dealing with the enemy, you can't mostly run him out. You got to run him out all the way. You got to bury that thing. You got to uproot that thing all the way at the source from how it's getting in there to begin with. Now, speaking of spiritual war and battle, when it comes to running the enemy out of your life, let me ask you a question. It's a very obvious question, but I just want you to think about it. Do you think that you would need a supernatural kind of power to do that? Do you think that's something you could do in your own flesh and in your own strength? We would need a spiritual response. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Some people trying to go to a gunfight with a knife. (laughs) You've got to have a measurable response for the things that the enemy is going to bring against you. And praise God, there's great news. The spirit of Christ, this Holy Spirit that lives in, in you, you know what it's, he also refers to it as? The spirit of the overcomer. The fact of the matter is, there is no battle. <laughs> there is no war that the enemy can win against the power of God that lives in you. You've just got to know it. You've got to understand it. You've got to be secure in your identity as who you are as a son or daughter of Jesus Christ and what the inheritance that's passed to you actually is and then by faith exercise that power in every situation according to the promise and word of the living God. He will enforce it. He will uphold it. His word never returns void. But if we walk around in a kind of ignorance or unaware of what we have Here's what we're going to do. We're going to be fighting spiritual battles with natural weaponry, and we will lose every time. 
We will have agitated spirits. We will be in a place of defeat. We will be tormented, and we will be looking around wondering, there's got to be more than this. I'm trying to tell you today that we are given the ability to live with a power that comes from heaven that marks us as sons and daughters of God. And through this time, if we get an understanding of this power that's available to us, could it be possible that we would be elevated in our sense of victory, in our sense of power, and the way we begin to live out our lives in every area of our lives going forward into our future? That really is my prayer, that people would be empowered in their lives at a new level even beyond where they previously were. And in order to uh, understand this, we've got to know that God has created us for a purpose, that he has a destiny for each and every one of us. And when we live according to his purpose for us, listen to me, this is when we find the greatest level of joy, fulfillment, peace, and everything that is meant for us. If we're living according to a different purpose or a different script, we sort of accept the world and the culture's ideas of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be living. Christianity's good over here, but let's just face it, we live in the world, we've got to deal with these things. If we accept all that and we begin to conform to the world's kind of way of living, then we, there will be an emptiness, there will be something missing, and our soul will always be searching for something that it can never be satisfied with by natural means. We've got to line up and connect with this, Paul calls it a holy calling from Jesus himself that was thought about for you before time began. Before he even set time into motion and put the planets into orbit, before our substance was even formed. It says he knew our purpose and our destiny. He says it's a holy calling. Jeremiah 29, 11, He says, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to bring you a future and a hope. When the Lord says I have thoughts for you, it means I have mighty works planned for you, things which I have designed you for. Jeremiah chapter 1, 5, he says, Before I knew you in the womb, I formed you, and I set you apart or sanctified you. If God has set us apart, listen, it means that he has consecrated us. Oh, hallelujah. He set us apart for something special and unique according to his design. Oh. And then we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Listen to this. He says, in, I'm going to read this in the message translation. I'll pay real atten close attention to all this, these words in here. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and in everyone. Hmm. That's good, isn't it? It's, so listen, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. So if you were to look at a creation, a created thing, to understand the purpose of the creation, you would need to ask the creator. Makes sense, right? 
the intention for which it was created, the purpose for which it was created, the creator is the one that would actually need to answer that question, not necessarily the creation itself. And so when he says it's in Christ that we discover who we are and what we're living for, what he's saying is it's only through relationship and connection and union with God that you will be able to discover the answers to these questions. They're not things the natural man can peer into. First Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that it's spiritual things must be spiritually discerned. And so God, through our closeness and relationship with him, will uncover or reveal answers to such things. It says in the book of Psalms, David says it this way. He says that God made us in secret, in the secret place. And then Jesus comes along and says he wants us to get into the secret place. There are things that were done in secret need to be sought and answered in the secret place through relationship and closeness with God. And he's the only one that can reveal these things to our heart. What he's created us for, what he's designed us for, and the purpose for which he's prepared each of us uniquely. How many people are familiar uh, with the chemical WD-40? By show of hands, how many people? Okay. How many people used it this week? Right. So I'm going to tell you a couple of interesting things that you may or may not know about WD-40. First of all, do you know what that stands for? WD and then 40? WD stands for water displacement, and then 40 stands for the number of times that the inventor actually tried the formula before he got it right, 40 times. It's documented that WD-40 has over 2,000 useful applications, 2,000 things for which it could be used for. In fact... There is a story of a bus driver in Asia that actually used WD-40 to remove a python from the undercarriage of his bus. Many useful applications. Thinking about getting Katie a can for wasps if they come back too. I'm sure that would work. But here is perhaps the most interesting thing to me about WD-40. And I've, I've heard this throughout the years from being in business and having some intellectual property experience, um, that WD-40 never filed for a patent. So when you file for a patent, you lay claims or rights. You can have an invention, a design, a formula. You own the rights to that for a period of years. Nobody can infringe upon that. But when you file it, you make that technology publicly available. Nobody can infringe upon it without rights to it from you. Uh, but after a certain amount of years, it becomes available. WD-40 never filed a patent. Now, that is pretty risky from a business perspective unless you have a significant strategy for a trade secret, which is even better than a patent if you can maintain it. A trade secret is like locking it in the vault where nobody can get to it. And in WD-40, it said that through any stage of the company, only one individual in the entire organization has ever known every single ingredient to the formula for WD-40. Now, I want you to think about what I'm talking about with the power and purpose of God's plan for our life. 
there is only one. There is only one. When people are pursuing empty things, they are searching for answers to the deepest meanings, to the deepest questions in life, and they're throwing up Hail Marys with worldly answers and solutions. And they just continue to come up empty. But God says, I know. I know because I created you. Because I designed you. And if you'll seek me, if you'll get close to me, if you'll ask me such things, I'll reveal such things to you. And when we begin to connect with God's plan and purpose for our lives and then begin to give expression to that, oh my God. I'm trying to tell you that there will be a joy, there will be a fulfillment, there will be a passion. I'm not saying it'll be easy. We know that we just talked about enemies coming. But there's a passion, a joy, a fulfillment, unspeakable joy, peace that surpasses understanding that we walk in and we participate or co-labor with God in advancing his will in heaven here on this earth. Folks, that's what we were designed for. That's what he's created us for. And he has a unique expression of that for each and every one of us. We have to connect regularly with God. Loving union, communion, and fellowship. Jesus says, I want to, I know, I'm calling you my friend. The Holy Spirit that lives in you is going to lead you and guide you. There's to be a loving union where we are always regularly, frequently connecting with God, in relationship with God. Think of it like a friendship and a closeness because through loving union is how we continue to understand and know such things as where God wants to lead us and take us and what he has created and designed us for. And this is what I think. I think the people who are most disconnected from their purpose are the most disconnected from God. When we're close to him and we know him intimately, not every great now and then, but this is a regular rhythm of our life, walking daily in connection and union with him, then the things that he's designed us for, the works that he has for us, the purpose that he's created us for, these things are just gradually being uncovered and revealed to us step by step, season by season as we move through this life so that we may glorify him. And this is what I found is that there are many different ways for us to connect with God. In fact, it's one of the things I think sometimes a lot of Christians get wrong or mistake. They think that the only way that they connect with God is maybe the way the pastor does. Or maybe the way they see other people in the church doing that. Now, we know that we read the word and that's God's voice. We know that we worship and praise God. We spend time with him. And it's in those moments where we are encapsulated in God's presence and that we are close to him. But it doesn't necessarily have to look the same way for you that it does for me or the person sitting next to you. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but you can connect with God in other ways. Like one of the most important ways for me to get close to the Lord and connect with him and spend time with him is through nature or creation in the outdoors. I love getting outside and just being in solitude with the Lord. I love being 
in the woods or on a, on a lake or just in places where I can breathe in, take in God's vast creation. It just makes me so overwhelmed and in awe at his majesty. And it's in these places and moments where I find myself intimately and closely connecting with God. You know, you can connect with God through activity and movement. Uh, I love to exercise and to run. One of my favorite things about running is popping in my air pods and putting on a worship song and just running through the country back roads and looking at the sky and the clouds, worshiping the Lord. I have so many encounters with God when I'm just doing that and, and, and I'm out there with the Lord, just me and Him growing closer and closer to Him. I'm hoping that through some of these descriptions that it's maybe going to take the lid off of certain people's thoughts or understanding of when, where, and how they connect with God so that there might be increased numbers or volume of these types of connections going on throughout your day, throughout your life. Because if you increase the connection and the union and the time where you're getting close with God, then the results will be drastic in how it applies to your purpose and destiny and the things that God is having you to walk out. And it's not just in these, these ideas that there's different ways to connect with the Lord, right? By the way, there are creatives. that They connect with God through creativity. That would be maybe through song or instrument or writing or painting or dance and things like that. That might be more your thing. That might be a place where you really connect with God because he's kind of wired those passions and those desires into you and your personality and your unique makeup, Whatever it is for you, you need to understand that, you need to discover that, and you need to put yourself in places like that regularly and routinely so that your loving union with God continues to go on day by day uninterrupted in your life because this is the most important thing, your relationship with Him. We know that there are different ways that we give expression through our giftings to God's purpose and his plans for our lives. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So basically what he's saying is there are different works, different giftings, different activities, ministries, works that are unique to each and every one of us. It's not going to look the same for you as the person next to you or behind you or as me. That's one of the things that's beautiful about God's design is that we're all unique, like a fingerprint, right? No two the same. But what's remarkable is he said, it's the same spirit that lives in all of you that produces these different and unique works. So we all find the expression of our purpose through the loving union of our relationship with the same God. But it expresses itself or manifests itself differently in outward actions and works through our lives. You know, some are incredibly gifted at servanthood, hospitality. Now, we're all called to be servants, but there are some that have a special gifting for servanthood. 
I would give you an example as Miss Nancy Fleming, who is in our church. She, you can go ahead and give a round of applause because she deserves that a thousand times over here. Uh, she oversees our first impressions team, which deals with hospitality. By the way, if you're looking to get engaged and get involved, she would be a great person to talk to because there are all kinds of different ways to give expression to different gifts through that ministry. First impressions, it's hospitality, if you've got a gift to host uh, and, and be hospitable, greeters and ushers, if you have a, a, a gift to make people feel comfortable, to talk to people, to encourage people, security, if you have a gift of protector, you're a watchman on the wall, that's kind of wired into you, many different things, right? Uh, but she has a special gifting for that. Now, I would say it this way, I'm called to be hospitable and be a servant, but it's her gift. Now, I think one of my gifts is to preach and teach the Word of God. I would say she's called to testify and share Jesus with people, but it's my gift. Am I making sense? There are many different gifts, and the way that they're given expression looks differently through each and every one of us. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but there is a gifting for craftsmanship. I see Pastor Webb here. By the way, can I just acknowledge and recognize Pastor Webb, who's one of our elders here. He is the founding pastor of the church that is now our Jerseyville campus some 20-something years ago. Can you just kind of wave your hand so everybody can see you, Pastor Webb? And he decided to come down here and worship with us this morning. But he is a craftsman. He's really good at working with wood and at fixing things, um, and I don't enjoy that. It is not one of my gifts, but he excels at that. In fact, I would say he does it in a way that glorifies and honors the Lord when he goes about doing it. And uh, if you read in the Bible, in Exodus, and then you see this again in Kings, um, when they constructed the tabernacle and whenever they constructed the temple. But in Exodus, there was a man named Bezalel who was a part of the tribes of Israel. And Bezalel, it says, listen to this, it says that uh, the Spirit of God filled him in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and all manner of workmanship. So you could say it this way. When he was going about the work of being a craftsman, he was anointed in a special way to do that. It's pretty good, isn't it? And all I'm trying to get us to see today, guys, is that there are a lot of different ways that we connect with God and that we express our giftings and the things he's put in us. But it's important that we are all moving forward to connect with God regularly and step out and give expression to these things that we might walk in alignment uh, an advancement of God's purpose for our lives. That's why another reason growth track is so important is because we want to help people discover through spiritual gifts assessment, things like that, what are the gifts, what are the things you're passionate about, and how can you give expression to that? There's, there's spheres of influence that everybody has. You can give expression in the local church community. You can give expression in your community. You can give expression in your workplace. You can give, I don't know if you thought about this, you can give expression to your unique gifts and abilities in your family and in your household. In fact, that's part of what they need from you in order to flourish as a family unit. We all have these spheres of influence, but too often... People kind of move along and, and they love Jesus and they love God, 
Uh, but this idea that God has a plan for my life and he's gifted me and he has things for me to do, I, 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 it just always just really breaks my heart. But I, people sometimes think, well, I don't, God doesn't care that much about me. I mean, he's got a lot going on. I love Jesus and, and all that, but man, I don't think God has that much interest in, in kind of my life and what I do. Wrong. According to the scriptures, I would tell you that that is false doctrine. God loves you and he's created you for a purpose and a destiny. And when you begin to walk that out, you're going to discover a new level of power that, that moves through your purpose that I promise you, because I've tasted from both sides, nothing in this world can satisfy. I've pursued wealth. I've pursued riches. I've pursued uh, stature in all kinds of things in other parts of life. And it was like you're always chasing the wind. But when you tap into God's plan for you and you're walking it out, you're always searching for where he's got for you the next season and the next leg of the journey. But there's a fulfillment and a joy that nothing can take from you or rob from you. Even when the storms of life set in, the joy continues on. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so Romans, it says this, having gifts differing according to the grace that is in each of us, let us use them. Let us use them or let us exercise them. Hmm. Which means, please, receive this as a loving encouragement, challenge, and spurring on from your pastor. Don't let them sit dormant. Don't let them sit idle. We'll help you figure out how and where and what it looks like if we'd be delighted to do that. But whatever you do, even if it's somewhere else, please don't let your gifts and abilities, special anointing that God's put on your life, to sit dormant and to sit idle. We must step out. It's going to involve taking some risks for God. Too many people, fear of man. What will people think of me? What if I fail? Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, cast your bread upon the waters and it may return from you, to you many days from now. The Lord says, step out for me. Because when you do, there will be a return. There will be fruit that will come from that some way, shape, or form. We've got to step out and take chances. <clears throat> a couple last minute, last thoughts. Very important. Okay, pastor, I'm going to do that. I'm going to step out. I'm going to begin to give expression to my gifts. I'm going to get connected and engaged. I'm, I'm going to do these things. Please remember this. You must, at all times, approach it with the heart of a servant. Our gifts and abilities are not meant to serve us and make us famous. You hear me? They're meant to serve God and serve others. If we're trying to serve self, this power that I'm talking about, something will be missing. Because God says, anything that's prideful, I resist. I won't, I'm not going to bless that the same way. People might have a gift of intelligence and intellect, the ability to understand things and process very complicated things. That's a gifting. But when they use that gift to try to impress man and look good in front of other people, it's not going to carry the same kind of anointing that I'm talking about. When they use it to serve God and serve others, it will. Right? We step out. We begin to serve the Lord and not ourselves. And in some cases, um, for people today, it may just be a matter of 
man, my eyes have kind of been opened a little bit, um, and I see many other opportunities to connect with God and give expression to things that I'm created for that are right in front of me right now that I never even thought about. And, and it's like the ceiling is, is breaking off. The glass ceiling is busting open. And now there's a whole new realm of possibilities that you see are available to you. But for other people, it may be that your life right now is, is so, has been so conformed to the world's way of living that it's, it's not even set up and designed or structured the way you're living to, to be able to do these things and it might require some radical overhaul, um, reprioritization, looking at things and saying, I've got to make space, I've got to make room, I've got to lay things down in order to pick new things up. And if that be the case, I just want to encourage you that the reward and the benefits from doing that will be so worth it. And God will be with you as you set about the business to make these things a greater priority in your life than possibly some of the worldly types of things that people might be living for right now. And then in closing, wow, such an amazing thought. But the purpose and plan and calling that God has created us for, it actually doesn't even fully culminate this side of heaven. We're actually reaching for it, stretching and growing into it through every season of our lives here on this earth, but it actually finally comes to perfection whenever we go to be with Jesus in heaven for all of eternity. Because part of his design and his creation, listen, is that we would live forever with him. <laughs> and if that be true, then it actually doesn't reach completion here in this life. Which means that we long for and we live for something that's even beyond this earthly realm and environment. And I don't know about you, but that actually adds some fuel to my fire. That actually adds some pep to my step because it means that there's the best isn't even going to be tasted until we step into glory and into perfection. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this, and I'll close with this verse. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend, or grasp what God has done, his overall plan, from the beginning to the end. So God has planted eternity and a longing for that in every human heart. You could say it this way. There's a God-sized hole in every single one of us that only he can fill. Amen?